Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Thanks so much for joining us. It's the last Christmas of the decade. This morning, we're going to talk about that. My name is Harriet Kimmick. Welcome to Down to Earth. It's the show in which we talk about the issues that matter, and it is Sunday morning. And on this Sunday morning, we're going to talk about the last Christmas of the decade. And what does that mean? As many people across the world, especially here in the Eastern time zone, or if you are anywhere on the planet, a lot of people today are streaming in to services all over the country and are streaming into Christmas Sunday services. It's the last Christmas of the decade. But as we stream into services, I want us to reflect on the fact that it is the last Christmas of the decade. When you think about it, the the 2010s that defined this decade was 2009 was the the beginning of it, right? The end of 2009 and what it meant. I mean, I didn't think a lot of the changes that we've seen in the last 10 years were not were unforeseen. A lot of the stuff that happened, we did not imagine that they would happen. But I can safely say that we made it. We crossed over. We made it into the new decade. So 2020 is upon us. And 2020 is going to change. It's going to bring changes. Whether you're prepared for it or not, I've learned that change is constant, the constant factor of life, and that change comes even when we don't want it, when we don't respect it, when we don't appreciate it, but change is a part of the life cycle. And so as we evolve into this next decade, my prayer is that we embrace the changes that will come and that the changes that will come will be good for us, that we're going to have to trust the God of the universe. To that these changes that are coming will be good for us. I know in today's world it is not contemporaneous for us to talk about God. I mean, it is almost irrelevant. It's politically incorrect to talk about God. People talk about the universe because they don't want to offend anybody. They don't want to offend anyone by saying God. It's much like we say Happy Holidays instead of Merry Christmas. But I hope that in this next decade, that what we will find is a resurgence of faith. It's a resurgence of us moving forward and understanding and accepting that God is a constancy, that there were generations before, hundreds, that many generations before, 40 generations ago, 50 generations ago, talked about God. And they're no longer here, but they left us a legacy of talking about God and that God will still be talked about even after our time on the earth has passed. I think as we evolve as human beings, I think one of the things that's fast becoming apparent is that we believe in our own supremacy. We start to believe in our own eternity. We start believing that we will live forever. No one truly lives forever, not in this state, 
not as a human being with blood and tissue and bones and sinew and muscle. We really are just a giant scientific experiment. We are made up of stuff that is organic. Our bodies, they break down after a while. They are subject to the process of time and attrition. And so with the process of time and attrition, we're not meant to be here forever. But somehow, the idea has crept into our thinking that there is a way to preserve our lives forever, that we will continue to live forever. And it is in this kind of mindset that we have become arrogant, thinking we're better than the generations before, thinking that we know more than the generations before. So there is no need for faith. There is no need for a belief in something bigger than ourselves. We travel the world. We see others in other forms of practicing other forms of religion. They build monuments to what they believe hundreds of years ago. We respect that. We honor that. But we still don't believe that there is a God who directed those people to believe that or to create those things. We go to Egypt. We look at the pyramids. And if history is correct in saying that they didn't have cranes, and the kind of equipment that we have today to construct large towers. If history is correct, then how did they build the pyramids? How did they build the pyramids? How did they know to build the pyramids? Where did they get the equipment from? These are questions that can only be answered by believing in something bigger than ourselves. So as we reflect on uh, what this means and so on, I think this is a perfect time for us to reflect on our spiritual growth, reflect on the impact that God and his scriptures have had on our lives, and thinking not just about the past, but pondering what is going to come. What has God done that has influenced my life? I was just reading a story, for instance, on one of the periodicals that I read prior to coming on air, and a woman was talking about her own uh, issues in faith. She was talking about how, oh my gosh, I can't believe I cracked my iPad. Would you believe it? A woman was talking about her own issues in faith. She was talking about how she, uh, she met a man and they fell in love with him and didn't do anything about it until the right time. When the right time came, they got married and had children, and then one day he went to work, and then he never came back home. He had a, a, a an aneurysm, and he died. And the way she described it is this. Listen to this. She says, my life was going on, and I was fine, and then one day the universe smacked me in my, in my smug, dumb face. And I was kind of like, I don't think <laughs> that's, that's entirely true. I don't think you were just happy. As a human being, you met the love of your life. You had a great family history experience. He, you know, honored you and your children. And, and then it was the time had come for him to leave. And I, and I, I respect, while I respect the process of grief and understand that she's grieving, I, even for me, I have had to accept that life does not continue on the people whom I love eventually leave. I was joking recently with family members that as we get older, our family members, our aunts, uncles, fathers, mothers, they're dying. And I'm like, that's a testament to the fact that we're getting older. (laughs) That's all that it is. We used to grow up and watch others. This happened to our parents. 
and now it's our turn. So it just means that we're getting older. <laughs> so time moves on. So as we reflect, as we pause to reflect on what this means, as we enter into a new decade, I think we need to reflect on what it means. Because frankly, it's like stepping off into the unknown. It's like you don't really know for sure what is going to happen. But if you don't know for sure, well, what do you believe? We did a show recently on why millennials are leaving religion and not coming back. And as I ended the show, I remember thinking about it throughout the day because it was disturbing. It disturbed me somewhat that here are a generation of folks growing up without the balance of faith, growing up without the possibility of having faith to navigate some of the issues that they will confront in life. They're young now, so now is the time when you don't need faith. I mean, you're young, you're strong, and things work this way until you turn around 45. Then at 45, you suddenly you find a, fr- a friend gets sick, a loved one gets sick, and stuff starts happening that you have no idea to cope. A whole generation of folks have grown up without any idea of how to cope with life issues. Great. I appreciate that. We have expectations, but at 100%, it's not reasonable to achieve. No, no, never. That's a good one, though. That's a good one, right? Someone is making a comment about my, and I appreciate it. You know, I agree with you, right? And so what happens is we have a whole generation that is growing up without the, the subtlety and the assurance of faith. And I think we, my generation, Generation X, we need to take responsibility for that. We are responsible for generate the millennials, the generations after us, Generation Y. We are responsible. We didn't teach them faith. We turned it away. We didn't need it. We had our degrees. We went to school, had our degrees. We didn't need faith. And then we started getting older, and then we started to realize we weren't going to get any younger. And then we started to realize, uh-oh, too late. Didn't raise them in an atmosphere of it, right? Is it me or is your feet getting paused? You know, it's not me. It's not you. Uh, I did notice that earlier. I myself couldn't even get on the Internet earlier. All of my uh, apps were not working. I was on Instagram and my feed paused. But switch over to YouTube. My YouTube channel is just youtube.com slash Harriet Kimmich. That YouTube is way, between you and I, YouTube is way more stable, (laughs) right? It never glitches. It doesn't glitch. It doesn't pause. I don't know what kind of servers YouTube uses, but it doesn't glitch or pause, and there are hundreds of millions of people on YouTube all the time. So if it's still glitching on Twitter, switch over to YouTube, (laughs) right? But but do you see what I mean? A lot of a lot of uh, and this happens with with Twitter periodically. People have told me that my Twitter feed pauses. It's not me. It's Twitter because uh, obviously I'm using their server, so it's them, right? They're pausing it to slow it down because they want to control how many people are going live. That's really what it is. So switch over to YouTube, right? So switch over to YouTube. I'm there. YouTube is a Google product. Yeah, it is. Twitter is not. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> Twitter is not. Mm, <laughs> I get it. 
uh, YouTube is a Google product. Google eventually brought, bought them out some years ago, and it, they have never looked back. And there are hundreds. Of, I saw a story recently where an eight-year-old kid on YouTube made $26 million last year. Makes the rest of us sit back and say, huh? I kid you not. An eight-year-old kid, right? So YouTube is phenomenal and fantastic, right? So switch on over to my YouTube channel because, as a matter of fact, come January, I won't be doing Twitter because Twitter has changed their terms of service, right? So Twitter will is saying that come January, uh, whatever you post on Twitter, whatever you streams like mine, they own it. So they can use my image and my message, redistribute it, rebroadcast it without any credit to me, right? And make money off it without any credit. So Twitter is about to be dived. Oh, you're on Periscope? Periscope is a Twitter product. Periscope is a Twitter product. So switch on over to YouTube. So I don't know how that's going to work for those of us who own our own content and so on. Kind of sucks. But it is what it is. We live in that kind of world. And I guess Twitter grew up. It's been 10 years. I've been on Twitter now for 10 years. So it's been 10 years. So I guess they see the light and think they should own people's content. Not cool. Not cool. But they're a monolithic. They're a monolith. And they get to do they get to do what they want to do. Maybe they're listening, so they hear me complain about how their tweet, their feed stuff. Right? But thank you for the feedback. But so we're in, in reflecting on what Christmas means. You know, it, it sounds like a fairy tale, and I know most people are like, Well, it's just a fairy tale. Okay, if it's a fa- if that works for you, okay. If that's what you want to believe. But the gospel story is built into that fairy tale. That there is a savior who was born, and that the process, the whole thing was to humanize the Godhead. It was not to make God sound as if he's so far removed that he's a fable, but to humanize the story so that you and I can find ourselves uh, reflected in it. I think holidays are great for family and community, my viewer says. That's great. I think so. But it's also what brings us together right? It brings us together as a family. too. And as you sit down this Christmas and sit with friends and family, talk about what has happened in the last decade. What kind of growth have we seen? Whether the growth has been personal, whether it's community-wide growth, whether it's regional or whether it's national. We won't even talk about worldwide growth because now Britain is exiting the UK, right? Usain Bolt has won many Olympics. The Patriots are still winning the NFL. Something is wrong with that. If the Patriots make it to uh, to the Super Bowl this year, I'm officially done with the NFL because they are not that good. They're not that good. I see some guys playing college ball who are way better. And you can't. I'm not convinced that the Patriots are that good. Their athleticism does not surpass anybody else in the NFL. I think the referees love them. That's what I think. Every Patriot game I've ever watched has left me wondering. So if the Patriots make it to the NFL, to the Super Bowl, I'm done with it. Right? (laughs) So reflect on that. Donald Trump became president. We have the scandal uh, with the Russians interfering in the 2016 election. That was a big part of the last decade. Uh, There were some other momentous achievements as well. Instagram became a thing. 
right, was fledgling. Instagram became a thing. Uh, Tumblr kind of went the way of the world. <laughs> Tumblr, Vine left. Anybody remembers the Vine? <laughs> right? They should bring Vine back. They should bring Vine back, right? And now we're stuck with Facebook that has taken over the world's apparatus. Facebook now defines what we consider to be social media. Facebook now defines that. So it's a perfect time to reflect on what the decade has done. Where are you? What have you done? What has the last decade done? I myself found myself reflecting. If you could see behind me, you would see that's what I have done in the last 10 years. I published one book. No, I published two books. That's how much I've done. I set up a shelter, right? Uh, podcasted, went on three different radio stations, became a syndicated broadcast uh, radio broadcaster. So my decade was pretty full. I couldn't believe it. I, I, I when I looked back at it, I I, I felt tired. <laughs> I was geez, that took a lot of energy. It takes a lot of energy. So ask yourself, what have you done? Maybe some of you graduated college and started working, and then you got a got married, got a mortgage, and now you went from being a college graduate to a husband, to a dad, a college graduate, to a mom, to a, to, to 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 you know to to working, right? Some of you started your own businesses. Reflect on what the decade has done. So how does the Christmas story built into that. Well, the Christmas story is inspiring because here it is. This kid was born in a manger, a lonely place, right? There was no room for him at the inn. They threw his family out because they didn't reflect. They looked poor and, you know, bedraggled and looked like they didn't belong at the, at the uh, let's see, at the Marriott. So they sent them down to Motel 6. <laughs> so when they got to Motel 6, Moses was like, you're coming in here and I want it in bed, folks. <laughs> but I have a place out there in the back. You can sleep out there. So here's a guy who was born in circumstances like that. They even, so imagine you pull up at the Marriott in your hoopty, <laughs> right? And in the parking lot are Porsches and, and whatever and Range Rovers. And you pull up in a hoopty with cash to pay, not even a debit card, but with cash to pay. They're like, we don't do your time. Try Motel 6 down the, down the freeway. They're about a couple exits down, <laughs> right? So, they, so here's this kid born in a manger, and as he grew up in such lowly circumstances, his father was a carpenter, his stepfather was a carpenter, his mother was a stay-at-home mom, right? His stepfather was a carpenter. And so he grew up doing, in those days, you did what your father does. So if your father is a teacher in the synagogue, you became a teacher in the synagogue. If your father sat on the city council, you sat on the city council. Rule was inherent, right? It was passed down, right? It wasn't transparent. It was passed down. So you did what your father did. So if you were born, if your father was a carpenter, guess what you were going to become? A carpenter. There was no way out of it. So here comes this kid born in a manger and who said, but I'm born to be king. And he decided that he was going to be king. So he excelled in school. He was smart. They found him at 12 years old in the synagogue. 
teaching the elders because he was smart, had a vast knowledge of the scriptures. Well, you got to understand contextually how did that work because people from his social caste in life were not supposed to read. So who taught him to read in the first place that he could be in the synagogue explaining the scriptures to the elders? That's why they marveled at him. They didn't just marvel because he was 12 years old. It's because, so you come from down there and here you are. It's much like today. People born in the hood grew up in adversarial circumstances. But now you're an engineer, you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you become a prosecutor, a judge. So they're like, you came from those circumstances and now you are at the top of the field. I dare say the Christmas stories never end. Yeah, your kids are smarter than usual. Mine too, right? The Christmas story never ends. So when you look at the Christmas story, you see yourself written in it. Because when you look at your circumstances, you're like, so that's what happened to Jesus. So that's why they didn't like him. Because he was not supposed to overcome. And he was not supposed to win. So as he grew up and he became aware, Jesus was really just a social justice warrior. As he became aware of the circumstances around him, that his people were caught up in and that they had no way to change it, he decided to do something about it. He decided to march on City Hall. He decided to confront the rulers of the time. He decided that I am going to change this because this is not fair. Why do I have to be a carpenter? I can learn from your story, right? Why do I have to be a carpenter just because my father was a carpenter? I can become a teacher in the synagogue. I can become a leader of my people. I can sit on the city council. Do you see what I'm saying? And in a lot of ways, we see ourselves reflected in this Christmas story. That's why it's Christmas. Now, Christmas is a pagan holiday. As time evolved, Christianity became so pervasive and so influential that the rulers of the time decided that they had to melt and meld the two different views and thoughts to appease the people. They did not want to cause a disruption in their society. So Christmas is a pagan holiday, has nothing to do with Christianity and its practices. And I think we forget that over time. So they created, because of how Jesus was born, they called it the Christmas story. Because Christmas was about a guy, you know, who went out and got a tree down, went out in the forest, got a tree down, and brought the tree in and said, ho, 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 a pretty up the tree and put gifts onto the tree on December 25th. That's a pagan holiday. Now, there has been some significant research done, but you understand that Jesus was born to a Jewish tribe. Therefore, they're not into Christianity or the practice of Christmas. They look at the scriptures as written in the Torah, right? But the research that has been done indicates that Jesus was really born around the month of March because if it were December, then it would be cold and people wouldn't be able to walk in sandals from one part of the country to the other. So he was born in March. Hence, when the wise men came to bring gifts, it was still warm. Do you see what I'm saying? So, But to make it for our purposes today, when you look at the story surrounding Jesus' birth, it kind of like identifies 
with you and I, doesn't it? You're still culturally Jewish? Wow. I can't say it. It's too good for me. <laughs> right? Bless you. <laughs> right? <laughs> but do you see what I'm saying? So now we look at it and thanks to, you know, the Jews brought Jesus's brought Jesus to life for the rest of us. And maybe in a lot of ways that explains a lot of our uh, sympathy towards Israel, right? Because that's the birthplace and the home of Jesus Christ, as we know it, right? Right? And the prophets. Yeah? Yeah. So when you see the story of Christmas, you realize that that is how most of us are. But that is exactly how it was designed to be. That you see yourself in the story so you can totally relate. And there is nothing absolutely wrong with that. That's exactly the intent and the design. It's designed that way for a reason. It's designed that way so that you and I can totally relate. The story of Jesus' birth and what Christmas, the incorporating of the story of Jesus' birth and converting it into kind of meshing the two religions so that it would become one to appease everybody. When you look at it, probably was not a bad idea. God certainly allowed it so that generations later you and I can relate. We have something to sit around the Christmas tree and talk about. We have something to sit around a family gathering at Christmas and talk about the birth of a Savior. That's really what it was about. It gives us something to talk about. So for the next year, as we pause to reflect on the next year, we will remember the time that we sat together. So when you sit down this year at Christmas dinner, talk about what your plans are, the Christmas story. Talk about what your plans are for the next decade, especially now we are precipitously sitting at the cusp of a new decade. We should be excited because there are great things in store for us. There are great things planned for us. Map it out. Write it out. Write the vision and make it plain so that they who see it will run with it. Map it totally out. Plan it out and run with it so that your children and generations to come tell your children what you expect of them. I have found that if you don't tell the next generation what to expect, they're just wandering around. They don't know what to expect. Tell them what you want for them. Tell it to them so they hear it. They're going to remember it, and at some point, they're going to try to live up to it. That's the perpetuation of your legacy. What will you leave on the earth? Just you pass through the earth and you didn't leave anything? I remember after my mother died, my children came to me and told me that, Mom, thank you for leaving us a legacy. And I said, what do you mean? They said, well, Grandma is gone. All she left, she was just here, and we are what's left of her. Yes, she left the house. Yeah, she left a little money in the bank, but that's it, Mom. That's it. You are leaving us a legacy. And I said, what do you mean? They said, well, your name is Harriet Kimmick, Mom. You write books. You speak. My kids said, that is our legacy. We will have that into perpetuation. Leave your children a legacy, right? Some of us, we have phones today. Digitally capture yourself speaking into your children leaving them something. Tell them what you expect. Promise them. Tell them this is the ideal. I like to say to my children, we come from nothing to something, 
right? I like to tell them, we didn't come here to count how many cows are on the field. We came here to drink the milk. So go to school, become somebody. Don't just go to school and study something that you will not leave a mark. Go and do something so that your life will change. When you turn 35 and you turn 40, you're going to want to do different things. Go and study something that is going to make your life change, that is going to be life-claiming. Yesterday, I was talking to some friends of mine, and I called them to become a part of our show moving forward into the new year. And these are incredibly accomplished individuals. They're self-actualized. They're socially conscious. I love just talking to them moves me. You know what I mean? Have you ever just been around people who just move you when you talk to them? They just make you think about something. And I'm so excited to to partner with them in the next in the next year. And they were equally as excited to partner with me. So these people are incredibly accomplished individuals and they were like, Thank you for thinking of me and reaching out to me. And all I could say was God told me to call you. You are the ones he chose. And I'm so grateful for your for your your service and your partnership. Do you see what I'm saying? Ladies and gentlemen. We need to start investing in others. Encourage somebody. You might be at work and you say, well, Harriet, I'm not a motivational speaker like you. Well, you can motivate those who come to you, right? You are at work. Talk to people. Encourage them in what they're planning to do. Even if all they're doing is just being a worker, be in the cubicle every day, encourage them in it nonetheless. Encourage the people. You go to the supermarket every day, right? Every week, once a week, twice a week. You go to the supermarket, the same supermarket, you go in there, you see the same cashier there, smile, encourage them anyway. You stop to buy coffee, smile, encourage people anyway. Be a light in the world. If the Christmas story taught me one thing is that that light sheds, that light shines. Be a light to others. Encourage others. Speak to them. So many times as people, we come across young people and we tend to be aggressive with them. We tend to um, stop that. Speak into young people's lives. Say, how are you doing? What are your plans for college? What are you going to do with college? Inspire them. My, my, my youngest daughter has a little guy friend around her. You know, he comes over all the time and so on. And earlier last year, I, asked, I said, which college are we, are, are we going to? And he looked at me, huh? I said, yeah. I said, have you thought about being an entertainment lawyer? I mean, your personality is so vivacious and outgoing. You could be a sport, an entertainment lawyer in the lick of the split. He said, oh, my God, I never, ever thought about that. You know what? He's now accepted to a college. He's on his way. He's now accepted to a college. And he told her, tell your mom, I got accepted. Be a light to young people. Encourage them. Encourage yourself. Encourage your friends. Be a light to them. Show them. If they don't know how to, show somebody else. You go to buy gas. The gas station attendant, say, hey, how's it going? Smile. Be a light to somebody. If the people start talking to you, people always ask me, how come you know so much about people? How come people tell you stuff? Well, I don't know. People just talk to me. I like to think that, I don't know, I have, maybe I have a friendly looking face or something. People just tend to talk to me. I tend to talk back to people, encourage people. I have a group of young ladies who I reach out to them. I'll text, how is it going? What you doing? What you're working on? 
I follow them on social media and I'm like, mm, I'm not, I don't think that works well for your brand. I don't like, you know, change that. I would suggest you do this, that. I think it would be better. Those who listen are the ones who succeed. There are some who just decide to do their own thing. And well, they're off the, they're off the charts now. I mean, they're just totally out of it, right? Talk to young people. Tell them what your expectations are. I see you as such. I tell my children constantly over and over from the day they were born, from the day they were sitting on my lap, this is what I think you should do. This is what I see for you. This is what I want for you. So you give them something to reach up to and to achieve, right? Tell your story. We learn more by listening than talking, yes, but listen to folks. Listen to what they have to say and pray about it. Ruminate on it. What if that person really could do that? Pray about it for them. Just sending your prayer all for them is a blessing in itself. People who are good people, I ask them to pray for me, right? People who are, I don't ask everybody to pray because some people have bad wishes and bad intentions. Let's just be clear. So it's not everybody that I can ask seriously to say a prayer for me. Some people, I don't even want them to say anything for me. I don't want them to think about me because they have no good wish or intention. But for when you find good people, encourage them, pray for them, ruminate on what the next decade is going to be. What kind of plans do you want to see in your community? Right there in your city, in your community, in your region, what do you want to see in your country? Ruminate on that. Think about it and pray about it. Because look at it this way. If God could raise up a little kid from obscurity who was born down at the Motel 6 in the back lot of the Motel 6, if God could raise him up to come challenge the established order of the day and declare himself king, what could he do of someone like you and I? What could that Christmas story story be? Do you see what I'm saying? Whether you're an atheist or not, you still believe in something. Still say a prayer. Still even just utter the words, I hope something good happens to that person. You could express good things for me. I'd appreciate it. I take prayers from everybody, including you, my brother. Right? Do you see what I'm saying? Say something. If, think about it. If God could really make somebody believe enough in themselves that though they were born in the back lot of the motel six, though they were born because their parents drove up there in a hoopty because they couldn't do any better, and if God could raise that person up to challenge the established order of the day, what could he do in my life? What could happen for me? You want to save the universe? Well, what would the God of the universe, the creator of the universe, do for me? That is really the story of the decade. That is really the story that I want to do. So as I reflect on what happens next, as I reflect on what's going to happen in my life next, and I look at what I did in the last 10 years. And I say to myself, if anybody asks my vision board, they're right behind me. That's what I did in the last 10 years. It took forever. For me, it took forever. I'm a visionary. I envision things before it happens. So believe me, I saw it. And if that's what I did in the last 10 years, I can only imagine what the next 10 years are going to be. They're going to be fruitful. I am going to multiply. I'm going to be even greater than I started. I'm going to do greater things. That's what the Bible says. Greater things than these will they do, those who believe. I believe that I am going to do great things. Come on, you need to say it. 
I believe that I'm going to do great things, no matter what your circumstance looks like. No matter if right now you're sitting in your apartment with your laptop on your lap or you're looking at your phone and you're in your apartment and you're like, how is this going to happen? Leave the how to God. What you need to do is to have the vision. Think on these things. Penetrate these things in your mind. Let it come solidly into your mindset. Do you know the difference between you and a rich person? It's the way that you think. Change the way you think and you have conquered. There is no shortage of money in the universe. There is no shortage of money in the universe. There is no shortage of money in the universe. What I need to do, money must come to me. Opportunities will come to me. Say these things over and over. Start your day thinking positively. Rule out fear because fear is the catalyst for, for, for failure. You do know that. Fear and failure, it's no, it's no coincidence they both start with an S. As you approach this next decade, you cannot have any fear of failure. When I started at the end of 2009 and I determined that I had to go on radio and I had to do this and do that, I had no fear. Fear was not in my mind. I didn't think of the end game. The only thing I thought of the end game was that I was going to win and I was going to be on national radio and TV. That's all I thought about. That's all I thought about. It never occurred to me to question the house. I, I, I just refused to believe in the house. The minute I took my eyes off the gold and started worrying about the house was the minute when everything started falling apart. You have got to enter the next decade fully focused, fully sold out on what you want to achieve. And again, I'm going to say this over and over. If God can take a kid born in the back lot of the motel, of a Motel 6 and raise him up to be king, what can God do in your life? It doesn't matter where you start. What matters is how you finish. It's never about where you start. You're at least start. All these startups started. Facebook started in a dorm room for crying out loud. All these startups, most of these kids who started these apps, they started in their bedrooms while their parents were sleeping. All the gaming apps and all of these apps. What are you working on? What are you doing for your next decade? Are you planting seed? Have you built up something? Have you established something? What are you working on? Don't just sit there and smoke your life away and drink your life away. If you have friends who are continually distracting you, if you have friends who are continually inviting you to parties, always inviting you to come and have a drink with them. You think they're celebrating your success, but they're really not contributing to your success. What they're doing is distracting you and pulling you away. The time you spend commiserating with them, you could be thinking of how you could further your business. You could be thinking of how you could enhance your life. What other opportunities? I need to surround myself with people who bring opportunities to my life. I need to surround myself not with haters, but with people who are going to invest in me. Pray that that comes into your life. People who have investment in their hands, people who have marketing strategies, people who know how to invest and how to command things to happen. Pray that those are the people who come into your life, not just the friends who come and give you the side eye, not just the friends who come, but they really are haters. They really admire what you're doing, but they are so jealous they can't acknowledge that you are the reason why they do what they do. They say imitation is a sincere form of flattery. I don't believe that. 
I think somebody trying to imitate your style is someone who will lift a knife and stab you in the back. It's somebody who will pull the rug out from under your feet. It's somebody who will stop you from advancing. Be careful of those people. In this next decade, run them out of your life. Don't bring them in. Don't encourage them because if they're there, they bring bad karma. They're always sitting there smiling in your face, but all the while they want to take your place. They're sitting there smiling with you, but they really are wishing for you to fail because they don't want you to get ahead of them. And they're the people who will say, but I tried to help her. No, you didn't really try to help. Look at what you did. Did you do it to the fullest of what you did? If somebody comes to me and asks me for help, I do it to the fullest of what I can do. I expose them to everybody that I know. I've done that in the past, and people have gone and taken it and stabbed me in the back with it. Do you see what I'm saying? But if I'm going to be, if I'm going to help you, I am going to help you. I'm not helping you halfway. I'm not going to do it and still look at you funny. I'm going to do it to the fullest that I have access to. Some of these people leave those folks in 20 in 2020. This next decade, eliminate those. Learn to identify them. Learn to identify people. You want to win in the next decade? Get to know people around you. Talk less, listen more. When people start talking, listen. I talk a lot in these forums, but when I'm around people, I like to listen. I want to listen. I already talk enough. You want to hear me talk? You pay me to talk. I get paid to talk, but I listen. Listen to the people around you. Some of you are going to be surprised, right? Some of you are surprised that even the person you're with, the person you're married to, is the person who keeps you back. Why are you going to do that? How are we going to do it? I don't know how that can be done. I think you should give up on that. That's just a dream. Listen to people. Listen. Some of you are going to have to go it alone. You know they say it's lonely at the top. There is a reason for that. There is a reason. The the air up there is rarefied. When you get to the top, there are very few people like you up there. There is a reason for that. Because not everybody can survive the climb to the mountain. And sometimes the people who we start out with, we think we can take them. No. Sometimes the people we move, we meet along the way, they can't make it. I often reference it in these few moments that we have as I close. That life is like a train. You're, you're, tra- you're on a destination. You're on a journey to get to your destination. And along the way, the train, your train pulls into stations, and it picks up people, and it drops some people off. Some people come on, and they come for a reason. They're going to stay for a few destinations. They're going to stay for a few stops on the journey. They stay. And then when their time has come to exit your life, they get off at their destination. That's their destination in your life. They're done. Leave them. Don't go back and try to pull them into your present as your journey continues. When people leave your life, understand that people are here for a reason and a season. And when their season is over, let it go. Let them go and keep it moving, my friend. Thank you. Enjoy your day, too. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Right? Keep it moving. In this next decade, people are going to be the crucible. Learn to know people. People are going to either be a blessing or a curse. 
people are the ones whom the blessing is going to come through. Learn to identify people. Don't judge a book by its cover. Not everyone who is smiling in front of you is really on your side. Learn. Some of these people, they go back and they copy down to the very clothes you wear, down to your very style. You, some of you have friends like that. Don't look at me like that. You know who they are, right? And they're the ones who, when others ask about you, they have the worst things to say about you, right? They never say it in front of your face, but they're saying it. And they're silently praying for your downfall, right? People are funny. Look in people's faces, right? This next decade, reflect on that. Iron out your goals. Make it clear what you want to achieve and spit it out. Write it out and have it make it plain. It's achievable and it's doable. There is no shortage of money or opportunities in the universe. We just need to tap into that. You just need to think about it and think about it and watch. By the end of 2020, everything is going to fall into place. Before the year is out, everything is going to fall into place. It's going to be mind-blowing. It's going to blow you away before the end of the year, right? So I pray for you today as we close, and I want to thank you as we go into Christmas this year. This is the final Christmas Sunday of the decade. I give thanks for all that has happened in this decade. I started movement. I did everything, and I lived to see. My mother did not live to see it all. My mother has left. My father has left. And I thank God for all the miracles that I've experienced in this last decade. And I pray the same on my viewers and on my listeners. I pray in the next decade that everything you want will come to you, that before the year is out, God is going to supernaturally do a miracle that's going to deliver you and bring you peace in the name of Jesus. I thank you right now that all the money, all the good things, all the stuff that you need to exact the vision and execute the vision will come to you and come to your fingertips in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank all of you for being a part of my journey. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I am grateful. I am so grateful that you chose to listen to me, that you've chosen to be a part of my down-to-earth experience. Thank you so very much. I pray God's richest blessings on you. I pray you join us at the end of this week, right, as we continue to bring in more shows. We're going to take off Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday as we celebrate for Christmas. And then we come back and wish you a Happy New Year on Tuesday. Next Tuesday, we're going to have a midnight broadcast on Tuesday night to wish you all a very Happy New Year. Stay with us. Join with us as we celebrate 2020 together, the year of the vision the year of the vision. It will be clear to you. Thank you so much, everybody. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Celebrate all those gifts under the tree and give thanks for the blessings. Give thanks that we're even able to provide for our families. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for keeping us safe through all the stuff that happened this past decade. We're still here, people. We're still here. America's still here. We're still the shining city on a hill. The world is still standing. Lord God, the seas are still in their place. The mountains are still in their place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the Christmas story. Thank you that we see ourselves, that you bring us from obscurity to notoriety, that you bring us from nothing to something. Thank you. And thank you so much, everybody. Have a great Sunday. I don't even know if they have football on today. Okay. Okay, thank you so much. This has been Harriet Kamek with Down to Earth. I want to remind you 
continues to be down to earth. Thanks, everybody. Be blessed. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.